was in deep trouble, rushing headlong toward some dark, unnameable disaster. If that's too vague, I should add that he mentioned bombs as well, that he talked about them endlessly during his visit, and for the next eleven months I had walked around with just such a fear inside me, that he was going to kill himself, that one day I would open the newspaper and read that my friend had blown himself up. It was no more than a wild intuition at that point, one of those insane leaps into the void, and yet once the thought entered my head, I couldn't get rid of it. Then, two days after I ran across the article, a pair of FBI agents came knocking at my door. The moment they announced who they were, I understood that I was right. Sachs was the man who had blown himself up. There couldn't be any question about it. Sachs was dead and the only way I could help him now was to keep his death to myself. It was probably fortunate that I read the article when I did, although I remember wishing at the time that I hadn't seen it. If nothing else, it gave me a couple of days to absorb the shock. When the FBI men showed up here to ask their questions, I was already prepared for them, and that helped me to keep myself under control. It also didn't hurt that an extra 48 hours had gone by before they managed to track me down. Among the objects recovered from Sachs's wallet, it seems there was a slip of paper bearing my initials and telephone number. That was how they came to be looking for me. But, as luck would have it, the number was for my telephone back home in New York. And for the past 10 days, I've been in Vermont, living with my family in a rented house where we plan to spend the rest of the summer. God knows how many people they had to talk to before they discovered I was here. If I mention in passing that this house is owned by Sachs's ex-wife, it is only to give one example of how tangled and complicated this story finally is. I did my best to play dumb for them, to give away as little as I could. No, I said. I hadn't read the article in the paper. I didn't know anything about bombs or stolen cars or backcountry roads in Wisconsin. I was a writer, I said, a man who wrote novels for a living, and if they wanted to check into who I was, they could go right ahead. But it wasn't going to help them with their case. They'd only be wasting their time. Probably so, they said. But what about the slip of paper in the dead man's wallet? They weren't trying to accuse me of anything, but the fact that he'd been carrying around my telephone number seemed to prove there was a connection between us. I had to admit that, didn't I? Yes, I said, of course I did. But just because it looked like that didn't mean it was true. There were a thousand ways that man could have gotten hold of my number. I had friends scattered all over the world, and any one of them could have passed it on to a stranger. Perhaps that stranger had passed it on to another stranger, who in turn had passed it on to yet another stranger. Perhaps, they said. But why would anyone carry around the telephone number of a person he didn't know? Because I'm a writer, I said. Oh, they said, and what difference does that make? Because my books are published, I said. People read them, and I don't have any idea who they are. Without even knowing it, I enter the lives of strangers, and for as long as they have my book in their hands, my words are the only reality that exists for them. That's normal, they said. That's the way it is with books. Yes, I said, that's the way it is, but sometimes these people turn out to be crazy. They read your book, and something about it strikes a chord deep in their soul. 
All of a sudden, they imagine that you belong to them, that you are the only friend they have in the world. To illustrate my point, I gave them several examples, all of them true, all of them taken directly from my own experience. The unbalanced letters, the telephone calls at three o'clock in the morning, the anonymous threats. Just last year, I continued, I discovered that someone had been impersonating me, answering letters in my name, walking into bookstores and autographing my books, hovering like some malignant shadow around the edges of my life. A book is a mysterious object, I said, and once it floats out into the world, anything can happen. All kinds of mischief can be caused, and there's not a damned thing you can do about it. For better or worse, it's completely out of your control. I don't know if they found my denials convincing or not. I tend to think not, but even if they didn't believe a word...